0: Welcome to Cambridge Stronger, where culture counts and values matter most. I'm your host, Amy Weber, and I am joined today by the founder, president, and head financial planner of Financial Moxie, Kristen Hafner. Thanks for joining us, Kristen. Good morning, Amy. Thank you for having me. Good morning. So excited to share with our listeners today your story, especially how you got started and how did you get where you are today? Well, thinking back, when you asked
1: this question, it wasn't the traditional way of becoming a financial planner. I'm a career changer. I came out of undergraduate, went into paralegal, considered becoming a lawyer. After working in the paralegal space for a while, I realized that legal is a very reactive type of career. You're dealing with situations that people either misstepped or you're dealing with aftermath. And so I started researching how, what careers are more proactive. And that's where financial planning started coming up. Fortunately, I have a university right around the corner, Cal Lutheran University, and they have a very strong program, graduate program. And I went on a whim and interviewed with um, the professor, the director of the program, which at the time I didn't realize how significant he's a behavioral finance PhD. what his knowledge was going to bring to me before the recession in 2008. So I went and interviewed with him and I was asking about the career, but at the end of the process, he was interviewing me for a grad assistant position, which he offered me at the end of the conversation and offered to cover all my tuition to become a financial, a certified financial planner. So I went off on that journey took all the classes, interviewed different financial advisors how they got started. And I got my first position before right before 2008 as an analyst. Everything basically imploded. I remember going back to my mentor, the professor that had brought me into the field and he I said, "You know what? I'm not cut out for this. I just want to teach." <laughs> Hire me as a professor. I'll teach financial planning. He basically kicked me out of his office and said, you need to get out, find a home, an independent space because you're the financial planner of tomorrow and you have a skill set that is going to be needed, meaning my legal plus what I had learned in his courses. And then, so I set off on that journey to find a home. I had no idea how impossible it was to get into the independent channel, but I had been introduced to the Women's Chamber of Commerce through the university. Before I knew it, I was in the conference room with Amy and Eric Schwartz pitching a program with them. And after we, you know, went down that road, Amy asked me to affiliate with Cambridge. And at the time I didn't, I did not have a book of business. I hadn't been in the wirehouse. I, I was fairly new and she offered to mentor me and this is how I got here today. And I've been with
0: Cambridge ever since. I can take only very little credit. I think all I do is remind you sometimes that you can only tackle a small number of things because you're such an overachiever, but I appreciate you mentioning that. You know, it's funny, you're not the first, and I myself had the experience of believing at the beginning that legal, one way or another, some career in the legal profession was my future, and I also shifted quickly along the way to an environment where this industry that we enjoy and inspires us is where I spend my life. So there must be some parallels there. Listeners, if you're thinking about some sort of a career in legal, you might want to take a breath and look at financial planning and the independent financial services industry, because at least a couple of us have figured out how to tackle our fears as it relates to that and make a big change. So congratulations. Thank you. So your mission statement is we empower clients to achieve wellness, keyword wellness in their finances and beyond. And there are four main parts to accompany that statement, empower, finances, wellness, and beyond. Could you elaborate more on each of those, Kristen, and in particular, how they influence you as you work with your clients?
1: Well, we thanks for asking about that. We have put a lot of effort into figuring out, you know, the, the traditional way that most financial advisors communicate is a mission statement. We consider this our promise to our clients. And so there was, a, there was a lot of effort between staff. We also had some marketing people involved in this, and we had our clients involved. So it was a process of interviewing staff and clients and myself to establish this promise. And one of the, those are the key words, but one of the things that came out in those interviews was the beyond part. It's hard to explain what we do to clients because we do go beyond the scope of financial planning and wealth management. And that is a passion of mine because it does involve your wellness. And, And there's a lot of things that intertwine with wellness and if you exclude those other areas, can you really get to that point of being truly well? And I am, our firm, from what these interviews ex- explained and told us, was that the clients are in alignment with what we believe we're doing for them. But we were struggling with messaging that on you know on our website, because the traditional financial planner only talks about what an IRA is, all the different strategies. So so we're getting more into in-depth in, in what we do. Those four key words, empower, finance, wellness, and beyond, break it down into different approaches that we take and reasons why we're so passionate about what we do. For example, empowerment. When I first launched into the field, because of my legal background, I am very skilled in working with women in transition and specifically in the divorce arena. So when I started working with those individuals in those types of situations, building confidence was key, teaching them how to make their own decisions and how they could have access to the know-how that they needed to manage things on their own and, 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 and encourage them and empower them to have self reliance. So when I started working in that, that area, I realized that these same things that I work with these, these people that are in this transitionary phase resonate in all phases. It could be, it could be a student coming out of college. It could be a couple newly married. It could be someone who's changing out of a career to retirement these are all things that when you make that transition you need to have a person or somebody to educate you with that give you access to that know-how so you can build your confidence the financial part of it is more to our core our traditional approach of being financial planning centric we you know we do i do have all the licenses for wealth management but you could, you know, the, you could say you need X amount of money to retire, but really, it's what you're going to do with that money and what decisions you're going to make along the way. Because you cannot give someone a specific amount and say you're going to be okay, because there's things that happen, real life decisions, changes in family. You have to always be planning and understanding what you have, what your foundation is, so you can make better decisions along the way. So we really rely on the financial planning side of it. We do a lot of budgeting, cash flow management, but in a rewarding way in order for them to 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 meet their goals. The wellness part is the why. <laughs> After working with a lot of people, clients in this transitionary phase, I, I realized that there's very few things you can control in your life you know especially now with the pandemic and everything that we have no control over i broke it down into three areas i can control what i eat how much i move and how much i spend and so i try to really take it down to the core and and then look at how do you balance those things cuz people tend to hyper focus on one and they will not focus on the other but they are all intertwined and the reason why I, I am so passionate about the space is because when I work with individuals who are in transition, a lot of times I I work with the therapists in the case, and they've ex they've expressed to me that they can only help people with traditional therapy for, with what they say to them or what they disclose to them. And what's interesting is when I come into the mix with consent of the client, I can see things in in their budget, how they're spending, what they're doing, what they're not doing. And it's an interesting mix of opportunities for helping those people along their journey, not just in the financial space, but all around. So that dives into the beyond. The beyond part really focuses on the emotional decisions. As a financial planner, we cannot ignore the emotional side of a decision. Something that may be right for one client may not be right for the other client. There may be more emotional wealth for that decision to be made differently than doing the traditional financial planning approach. And as long as the client understands why they're making that decision, they're going to be happy with that decision and they're going to move forward to the next step to be successful at their goals. So that's where we get into intertwining the physical, emotional, and and financial selves all together. And and really, you know, our team here is just to co-pilot that and help them get, help the client get to the point where they can do it on their own.
0: So how do you handle a client who seems to be on the path of making one of those emotional decisions for what you might perceive are the wrong reasons? How do you redirect them?
1: A lot of times we look at the pros and cons. That's the first step is like, what's the pro and the con of the decision? And where is that going to get them? And a a typical decision when you're in transition, I'll just give you an example, is a client who would like to relocate, for example, and they have decided, and, and a lot of people are relocating right now, for different reasons, and it could be emotional driven. It could be emotionally driven, or it could be financially driven, or both. So a lot of times we will have this conversation, and I'll, and I'll ask them not just the numbers side of it, but why are they making this decision? Why do they consider it? And and some of that that comes out is, I want to be near my family, or I am alone, and a lot of my kids live in different parts, but this is where I've always wanted to live. So we start to go through that process of what is the best way to evaluate if this is the right thing for you. And so a lot of times I recommend that they do a three month, they go there, they live there for three months, they do not, you know, relocate yet. And they test it out, test drive it before they make that decision. And, you know, and it's a very interesting thing because a lot of times they'll learn things about that area or things, assumptions that they made that are not accurate, meaning financial, like taxes are cheaper, or, you know, they'll figure out that utilities are more, or they don't have access to certain things that they really love where they're at. And, and we just go back and forth, back and forth. And sometimes that decision takes longer than a year to make, (laughs) but it's okay. Because if it's the right decision for them, and it's going to give them that emotional, wellness or emotional wealth on top of financial wealth, it's the best decision for them. And every client has different
0: needs. That's a great approach. You know, you are describing a significant heavy lift that you do for your clients, right? Because it is so comprehensive and expansive. And I know at one point in time, you went it alone. But let's talk to the audience about your team, the skills you've surrounded yourself with, and when's the right time as you're building your career to decide to add someone to your team? So I'm. thanks for asking that. I'm in that process right now.
1: I have had an assistant who is very skilled for the last two years, who is now, she's very skilled at operations side of the business. But because of her working alongside of me, I have realized she has a, a tremendous skill set to work with clients. So I'm in the process of mentoring her to become an advisor, which will be also helping me out as well, because as you know, in the industry, you can only help as many people as you have capacity to help. So I've gotten to that point, thankfully, that I do need that second person or third person you know, to come onto the team. But what's really, really benefited me over the years as a sole practitioner, is creating that trusted advisor network that I have worked with different advisors in different capacities in in joint work. And so I know that I could pick up the phone and talk to at least 10 different attorneys in different areas, CPAs, and get answers for clients pretty instantaneously. So that allows me to expand what my offering is to clients into that beyond part. And I don't have to have those people in house. So really what my mission has been is building out the why part of the firm, which is the intertwining of the food, fitness, and finance. And so we are bringing onto our team currently three fitness instructors. One of them has a master's in food and sciences. They have been instrumental in helping me build the boot camp out, the boot camp that we're going to launch, and also I'm excited to announce I have two marriage and family therapists who are joining the team, and this is something that I didn't think was going to be possible because, just like financial advisors, you have to be licensed in you know a state to do business with clients in that state, and so so are therapists restricted by state. However, there's a little bit of a little. I guess, opening there that if they're just moderating a support group environment, they can go cross-state as long as they're not doing one-on-one. These two women will come onto my team and they will offer a support group, which will be optional to all clients that they can participate in and get that type of support from very skilled individuals in trauma and cognitive behavior therapy which I've always believed <laughs> financial planning it is something that we need because when you're making these decisions, there's always an emotional side and something may be blocking you from being able to push through that decision.
0: Great segue. I've been fascinated with your innovation as you've started to build some of this out. So let's talk about the overall Moxie brand. Uh, we know you have Financial Moxie, which we've just spent some time talking about. You've got Divorce Moxie. Moxie Boot camp, which is by far a pretty cool thing. And talk a little bit as you touch on that about as you were just getting ready to hit the ground hundred miles an hour, this global pandemic hit and everything had to go virtual, and that had some big impacts on the approach you took from a business planning standpoint. And then Moxie Voice. Tell us about these. ok.
1: So I have a lot of brand names, and, it's it's a positive thing, but also a negative thing because they all have their own individual space and they work together. So Financial Moxie was formed over 10 years ago, and that's our traditional financial know-how brand. Moxie, 10 years ago, no one knew what Moxie was, and now it's a, the most popular name. And thank God I trademarked it in the financial spaces way back then. But basically, the brand says it financial know-how. Moxie means know-how, and my my mission in that brand was to make it accessible to everyone, not not just the people that could afford it, not just the people that were looking towards it for for advanced planning, but to everyone, you know, even if you did not have any assets. Divorce Moxie was the next to launch. And divorce Moxie is where I I am the most skilled at, meaning in the transition space because of the legal side. I work with women who are and and men who are considering divorce, and sometimes it's they come to me before and they're trying to make a decision whether they should or should not from a financial perspective. I I also work with them during the process, which is very contentious and confusing and the most emotional part of, of a decision, basically the core of it. And then after, post, after a divorce is helping them get back on their feet, recovering, Finan- you know, getting divorced is probably the worst financial decision you can make, <laughs> splitting everything in half. So what do you do after? So, so that's divorce, Moxie. Moxie boot Bukia- camp came out of those two. It was a concept that I had in my head for a long time. And I didn't know how I would be able to do it because we are held to some pretty strong regulatory restrictions. And combining these three things together wasn't going to be easy. How do you get through some of those barriers? So so for the first year before the pandemic, it was just trying to, and with Cambridge's help, trying to figure it, figure out and navigate how I was going to be able to combine these things together with my, you know, all my securities licenses and, and make sure that it was an offering that was possible, which it is, it just took some time to figure it out. Then when we are ready to launch and it was going to be an in-person type of launch where we were going to have in-person fitness classes and one-on-ones with clients, the pandemic hit. So we had to pivot and I'm actually very thankful because originally I wanted to do it completely virtual because I wanted to be able to offer it to everyone across all states. The resistance that I was getting from that was the finance, the, the fitness instructors, they weren't really on board with virtual. <laughs> they wanted to do the one-on-one and they, they, they were very insistent on it. And then all of a sudden the pandemic hit. And then they had to do everything virtual, their whole industry pivot on itself. And now they're no longer resistant to doing that. And actually they're, they, they're wanting to learn and, and to have a space to do it.
0: So that made
1: it a lot easier to rec- recruit those individuals into the program. And now we have all the technologies available like Zoom and our client base is, is, is used to it and we can proceed in a completely virtual space. So that's what we're doing and, and that's how we pivoted. And, and I think it's actually gonna be a much better program and, and actually needed more now today after the pandemic than before. The last the last brand, or there's two more brands, Moxie Voice is our community. Moxie Voice was the space that was originally created to tell the stories of these individuals to share their wins and what they learned from their process. And so we did a series of interviews and now Moxie Voice is being built out into a resource hub for the community. And we will have podcasts and information for, you know, given away for free on this so that people have the resources to navigate through some of these decisions on their own. Moxie Tribes is the last one that came out during the pandemic alongside the boot camp. And that's our social brand. And so that's our Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And, and one of those reasons we we decided to have that brand separate is because if you try to have social channel channels for all four of these brands, it's a bit hectic trying to manage. All the different channels for four different brands, that would, you know, be too much. So we came out with one social channel that would encompass all the different brands and in different positions as well.
0: So if we've got any financial planners out there listening today that are already doing more of the wealth management, maybe less of this other comprehensive stuff, one of the first questions I suspect they're going to be thinking about as they listen to your business plan is how do clients pay for the services or more accurately, how do they get paid? How do you get paid? If they were going to try to replicate any of the innovative things you're doing out there, and we don't need to go into exactly, you know, how much they pay, but how do you and how have you set up that kind of a structure so that you're not making a dollar an hour when all is said and done?
1: (laughs) So we have different programs. So we do, we, we do rely heavily on the subscription model, And I've gone through the process of formalizing those programs and having price points. Interestingly enough, there has been more information now in the industry of what a financial advisor should charge for their services. I mean, there was, I don't know if you saw the big report that Kitsies put out, which was interesting to me because one of my takeaways is I feel like I I have not been charging enough. But you also have to keep an eye on, on your competition and what's out there and and what's the need. I mean, I've done extensive research on, you know, these programs that are out there for just food and nutrition and what they're charging versus us adding in the financial, trying to come up with a combination of what will work. There's nobody out there doing what I do, so I can't really benchmark it. I I, I just have to go forth and there's two ways of of marketing something. You either, you know, do a ton of market research and interview clients and, you know, put the program together based on what they say or you just do run it and and see, you know, what the market bears. And and that's kind of how the tech companies do it when they launch a, pro- a product. So that's the approach I'm taking. It's a little bit of, you know, trial and error, but the information is out there and it proves that the subscription model is or or hybrid model as well where you have subscription and you have AUM together is where the industry is going. And, and I've believed this now for the last five or six years. And it's it's happening. I mean we have technologies available to us like advice pay right now we, we use advice pay for financial moxie subscription model and divorce moxie subscription model. It will be used for moxie bootcamp as well and with cambridge's help we are able to figure out a way to do pay the third parties that are involved in the boot camp meaning the fitness trainers and the therapists and do it in a way that is compliant with how our systems are put in place it does involve some additional paperwork but i'm just amazed that we were able to figure it out <laughs> because it it's not something that is typically done to allow third party third parties to get paid through our our commission structure or our payment structure through our financial side of the business so that does open a lot of doors for other advisors to to add people to their team that you know they never thought they could or offerings that they never thought they could outside of the traditional insurance or tax or, you know, um, those types of things. I mean, you could, you, I mean, basically it's, it's completely open. You can add a personal organizer, you can add a therapist, you can add a fitness trainer, you could add a business coach. I mean, there's a lot of things that you could add to an offering that we were locked out of before. And, and I think it's, it's very powerful for our industry because there's a lot of individuals that offer these services that we complement but we've not been able to work together in this in this type of capacity before because of the restrictions we have on the industry.
0: Again, perfect segue to my next question for you which I think our listeners can get a lot of value from. Being an entrepreneur is not risk-free and sometimes it can be extremely frustrating and you're going to hit obstacles. We know that. So, talk to us a little bit about in your journey, your strategy, how did, how did I know you've hit the obstacles along the way, and we don't have to go into real detail about each and every obstacle, but maybe at a higher level, wherever you'd like to take it, inspire our listeners to keep going, to keep moving forward. How do you hit those obstacles and overcome the fear and intimidation and frustration? And just, you have a dream. How do you make it happen? Well, I think my advice, I've always been the type of
1: believer that when you get the most frustrated, you're right on the cusp of pushing through and being the most successful. If you allow yourself or limit yourself when you're feeling that, that frustration, you're not going to be able to push through to the next level of where you want to be. And it's not so much about, you know, in our industry, they measure how many clients you have, how many assets you have under management. It's What type of firm do you want to create? And how do you want to put yourself out there in the universe to help others? What the work that we do is so important to individuals that it's got to be there. And and we've had a lot of obstacles. I mean, I've never experienced a normal market ever. (laughs) I look, somebody interviewed me the other day and they said, you know, what's your philosophy about the market? And I said, it's never normal. I mean, I, I entered the market in 2000, right before 2008 and ever since 2008, I've never seen a normal cycle. So I don't, you know, I, I, I know that what I have to do is focus on what the client's needs are. I, my advice to other entrepreneurs is it's okay to make a mistake. If you make a mistake or something doesn't go exactly how you expect it, you actually navigating through that mistake and figuring out how to get to the other side makes you an expert automatically. I think through this process of figuring out, I mean, now, because I did go through the process of trademarking all these brands, I'm an expert in trademark (laughs) and how to navigate through that and how to deal with attorneys. Because I've gone through the process of working with other very skilled marketing professionals, I think I have a lot more Skill set in the marketing side and understanding, and I can manage with the the vendors and the other outside people I work with better to ask better questions and to guide them on on what I need to to be successful. And it's kind of that philosophy that you, school of hard knocks. So if you if you, I mean, you know, I I guess I never take the other thing I is I never take no when someone tells me no perfect example of that is, you know, I wanted Instagram really bad. And I kept pushing and pushing and pushing Cambridge to allow us to use Instagram. And we finally figured out a way with everyone working together. It's just pushing through those adversities. Sometimes you can't get through one, but then you figure a better way you know to to figure out a better way and and then learn from that so that you become more skilled in that area so that next time it comes up or the next thing you're trying to accomplish it's a lot
0: easier to accomplish. Thank you for sharing that. I just think sometimes our listeners need to hear some of those vulnerable moments so that they realize when they hit that spot that it's normal. It's natural and keep forging ahead as I said if you have a dream You can make it happen. It might not happen in exactly the way that you had envisioned, but to your point, there is a way. Thank you for pushing Cambridge to always be better. It's the highly innovative partners of ours that make sure that we are thinking through all of those things and helping you make it happen. So I appreciate that. So let's shift gears. One of the things that I've been trying to highlight through the Cambridge Stronger. Podcasts are that the independent space is 100% the best place to be if a goal in life is to have life balance. So, my favorite time is when we shift gears and I talk to our successful financial professionals about what they do outside of work. Share with us information about your family because I know that your family has been highly instrumental and supporting you on your journey and talk about your hobbies. Everybody's probably trying to figure out right now how in the world you have any time at all to have any kind of a personal life or hobbies, but I know you do. So tell us about it.
1: Well, when I started building this firm, I had had little ones at home. So, you know, I had to balance the mom life with the entrepreneur life. This field does allow, and I've always believed this, especially for female advisors, it does allow us to to create that balance. And I was able to do so. Now the kids are young adults. (laughs) So obviously I have more time, they're more independent and they're able to, do a lot of things on their own. And, and now even so with this pandemic, I didn't even realize, I mean, they've had to work independently online, navigate through some pretty crazy times. And so I'm, I'm very appreciative that, you know, they are showing me their independence and, and I'm able to continue on my journey and they do. It's so funny, Mike, my son tells me all the time, he's like, mom, you know, I know all this stuff that I know all this stuff because you're a financial advisor. And that makes me super proud. You know, he knows how to manage, you know, his, his budget. He knows that saving is important. The other day he told me he knows what a Roth IRA was. And I was super excited. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And and so I do think the skills I've learned in the industry has also extended to my family and how I've raised my family, which I think is super important and will give them, you know, skills that that I don't think I would have been able to give them. The balance of of wearing all the different hats, I'm not going to lie, <laughs> was a challenge. Two years ago when I brought on another team member that also helped with creating that balance with the family work life. And, you know, my hobbies, I love spending time with family, but I'm a really, I'm a really creative person. I love to do art and I like to rehab. I mean, I don't even know if you know this, but I like to rehab ugly things like ugly lamps, <laughs> ugly pieces of furniture. It's an outlet for me to, to, express myself and to change things up and make things new again. So I don't know, maybe that's also, I think that's also my philosophy with my clients. <laughs> so I I love to do that. I mean, I the creative side of my myself, you know, goes way back to when I was in school and I learned how to do a lot of art and you know, if I had to do things again, I I would explore a little bit more of that in my education, in my higher education. But maybe that's something I do in retirement now. You know, once I get to that point, I'll explore it more in in retirement. But that creative side has has been an 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 asset also with the, with the building the firm. You know, just coming up with the brands and the aesthetic and all of that i mean that creativity inside me is always there along the way but you know balance is key you have to unplug you have to be able to you know not think about things and it's so hard right now with all the technology the zoom and <laughs> so you actually have to force yourself so one of the things that i do is we have a small house on the lake and i grew up in michigan i grew up on the great lakes and Now that I'm in California, I enjoy just going up there and taking a cruise on, you know, on on a boat and not having any electronics and just listening to music and listening to conversation and people and family, you know, just, just relaxing. And so, I mean, that's, those are, those are the moments that you cherish, especially more so now than ever, because we haven't had those for the, the last you know, year during this pandemic. So hopefully we'll get back to some normalcy and that that is what I love to do in my free time. You know, it's something that you have to, for, you know, force yourself to do because you can get completely absorbed
0: in the day-to-day. You just hit out a very key point, listeners. What I heard Kristen remind me and educate you on is that the perception that this business any aspect of financial services actually is business, finance, math is wrong. And she just shared the way that she has managed to take her business and combine that creative side that I think sometimes steers people away from our industry and away from our business, because they do have a desire to be creative in a variety of ways. And hopefully what she shared with you today inspires you to consider it, even if you are and consider yourself highly creative. So thank you for bringing that very important point up, Kristen. So Cambridge's purpose is to make a difference and you've just demonstrated through this session that that's your goal too. And we find the most successful relationships for us are with financial professionals who have very similar core values and however they articulate it, at the end of the day, you're making a difference in your clients' lives. And I know that that's highly rewarding for you. So thank you for sharing all of that with us. Any last words of advice or what's next? I I mean, the
1: advice I have is, is don't give up on finding an independent space. I think now with the pandemic and the way that we're able to do virtual and work from anywhere, it's gonna open up more opportunities for financial advisors to move into that space more so than ever. I think the traditional way of entering into financial planning is not going to be the norm where you have to work for a warehouse or a bank or, you know, you can career change. You can use skills from what you learned in your other career that will benefit, you know, the career that you're, the the change that you're making. Financial, it was funny. I was talking to my daughter and she's trying to decide, she's 17. She's trying to decide what she wants to be. And she's putting a lot of pressure on herself right now because she doesn't know. And I said, I I said, you know, if you were to ask my 17 year old self that I would be a financial advisor today, I would have told you no way (laughs) because I mean, I was very competent in math, but it wasn't my passion. Accounting was not my passion, but it's a journey. And I tried to explain it to her that she will be exposed to different things in her college career and in her work life after that will point her in the right direction. And I think a combination of all the different skills I've learned over time is why I landed here. And it's not about, like you said, it's not about math. (laughs) It's not about numbers. (laughs) It's, It's really the successful planners of today and tomorrow are the ones that can navigate through these times and help individuals be their best self. And I think that creative side of me is really, really an asset when it comes to working. Cause I, I really try to focus on, yes, what's the discipline and what's the right way from a financial stand, standpoint, but what's the client's need and, and how does that factor into it? And if their need is to be by their children and live in the same area, then how are we going to make that happen? because the emotional wellness of them being supported by that family member or having that support it trumps any number <laughs> that they could have in the bank and i think we've all learned that through this pandemic you know the things that matter and our clients are going to be different as well as us out of this so if you consider being a financial advisor and you don't consider yourself a a math whiz <laughs> or numbers person you should really look into financial planning. It's it's not what you expect. Uh, it's not a, it's not an area that I, I like. Even all the schooling I took for financial planning, they teach you certain things, but it's much more than that
0: once you get in the field. Great message. I can't wait to see what you do next. I am so glad that you came on the show today. I know that our listeners are going to get a lot of value out of listening to your stories. And you are much stronger. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Cambridge Stronger. I invite you to listen to my podcast episodes where I have candid conversations with genuine, inspirational financial professionals and leaders within this fiercely independent financial services industry. The best of the best, the strongest of the strongest. You can listen to my podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, iHeartRadio, and the Podbean app. If you like what you've heard, please give us a review and head on over to our blog for more content at cambridgestronger.com. That's cambridgestronger.com.